Welcome back. It's another fun episode of Unwritten Rules and Iowa Cubs podcast. I'm your host this week, Alex Cohen. And to listen to all past, present, and future episodes, make sure you subscribe to Unwritten Rules on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, as well as Amazon Music, or just check us out online at iowacubs.com. We have a fun episode today. Iowa Cubs starting a homestand today against the Omaha Storm Chasers, AAA affiliate of the Kansas City Royals. And then they'll welcome the St. Paul Saints to town for six games. To start the series, again, Omaha Storm Chasers, we are going to bring voice of the Omaha Storm Chasers in his first season, Jake Eisenberg. Jake, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure, Alex. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm happy to be in Des Moines. Hopefully the skies clear up. I think we're going to have some, some clear nights, even if the days might be a little bit rainy. But it'll, it'll be a fun week here. Well, well, it's better than the other way around. Exactly, exactly. Clear nights and Get bad it out days. of the way. Yeah, clear nights and bad days rather than clear days and bad nights. Well, okay, we'll have, we'll have clear days. Make. We'll have clear days on, on Wednesday and Thursday. Correct, correct, yeah. correct. Jake, uh, this is your first year in, in AAA baseball, first year with the Omaha Storm Chasers. Um, definitely the 2021 baseball season so far has been a little bit different than years that you have been accustomed to in the past. What has it been like for you so far? Well, for starters, it's just a lot of new to begin with. And that's just because I'm with a new team and with a new organization. And I mean, there is a little bit of a benefit having been in communication with them throughout the 2020 season, which was meant to be my first season with the Storm Chasers. And, you know, I was hired for this job in December of 2019. So I've been in touch with them and been a quasi part of the organization for long enough that, you know, I've, I've had a nice working relationship with the people there even before I moved to Omaha this past February, but there's still a ton of new getting acclimated to a new office environment and a new city, let alone all of the new stuff that we deal with as it relates to COVID safety protocols and figuring out what we can do and what we can't do, what's safe, what's not safe. And, and, you know, as you know, that keeps changing day by day, week by week, and mostly for the better. So that's good. And it seems like we're getting back toward, I guess, what you would call whatever our normal was in yeah. the 2019 we're like season. Ha- we're halfway there. We're exactly. Uh, so what's it been like? It's been a whirlwind. It has been an absolute thrill to be back on and to finally be calling games again and to see fans at ballparks and hear the crack of the bat and hear the crowd. And that first week at Warner Park, uh, when the Storm Chasers opened at home against the St. Saint Paul Saints, it was it was electric. And then this past week, the Storm Chasers were on the road in Columbus. Uh, I didn't get to make that trip. So I was calling those games remotely from Omaha. And it was just it was bizarre again, because all of a sudden that crack of the bat and that roar of the crowd wasn't there. And, you know, I'm sitting in the booth calling games remotely. And then I was sitting in a conference room at our radio affiliates uh, um, station calling the games remotely. And it was just it was just weird. And you, you do the best you can with what you have. And I think that's how minor league baseball operates as a whole. You do the best you can with what you've got to work with every single day. And you have fun while you're doing it. Yeah, the, the calling games remotely, you know, you know, fortunately, yeah, I haven't had to do that yet with the Iowa Cubs. I did that in 2017 for a college game. Um, and it was really strange to me because it was like a two camera feed and I couldn't tell like the depth of a fly ball. Like that was my most difficult. Yes. That, yes. Yeah. There was like a pop-up and I'm like, Oh, it's like popped up the center field. Oh, the center fielder goes back. That's a whole <laughs> run. It's like, what the heck? So here's um, what I, I'll tell you what I learned. So I learned a couple things and this is first off, this is nothing against Columbus because their MILB TV feed was really good. The, the entire week didn't have any connection issues. They had multiple cameras. It was great. 
these are mostly things that I think are limitations across the board for any minor league remote broadcast. And I think it's important that people understand that when you and I do remote broadcasts for minor league baseball, when we need to, we don't have 10 camera angles and replay and monitors that they have at the major league level, nor do we necessarily have ballpark audio coming back to us. So we're flying pretty blind in a, in a lot of cases. And, and the things that I noticed were this, like you said, depth on fly balls, impossible. Um, yeah. You're just going off what the fielder is doing. If the right fielder is shown, yeah, if, if they're showing the center fielder and the right fielder makes the catch, like it is what it is. Yeah. Um, you can't see any sort of defensive shifts, which are so prevalent nowadays. And the storm chasers have done it a lot. And there's no way to tell unless you see the shortstop come across the screen on one side or the other. Um, I would say the biggest thing that was kind of funny this past week was whenever there's a guy on base, you know, the third base umpire moves into the field yeah. and based and a third base umpire was basically standing right in front of home plate whenever there was a player on base. Oh so I spent a lot of this past week just staring at the third base umpire's backside and trying to figure out balls and strikes and, and stuff from there. And uh, I, I joked about it on the air a little bit. I was like, look, if anyone's listening, Columbus, if you can tell John Bacon just to move like three feet to the left, that'd be yeah, great. Yeah, shoot him a text. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Wow. So you did that for six games, correct? Six games. Yep. You, do you think that, you know, you kind of found some tricks to the trade, you know, between game one and game six, like looking at the umpire, finding certain cues as, as part of the broadcast to help, I wouldn't say determine like the depth of a fly ball, uh, but just, you know, the, the flight pattern, the route of the fielder, especially an outfielder, like were, are there any things that like helped you out as, as the series went on? Oh, absolutely. And I think it was a little bit difficult for me to realize this, even as I was figuring it out, but since I didn't have any of the Columbus ballpark audio coming back to me and I was pumping through synthetic crowd noise, it's not that like anybody could hear that was when my a pitch next, was thrown. That was the next question, or, crowd noise, yeah. Right. Or when, you know, a, a ball was hit. And so I kind of learned that I could wait a little bit longer to describe what was happening and give myself the opportunity to see as much as possible to give the best possible description. It didn't have to be as instantaneous as it is when we're sitting live at the game. And I do realize that it's a little bit of a disservice to the audience, but I like to also think that it's also giving them the best possible product with the situation that we find ourselves in. And I think that's kind of what it's all about. So it was kind of just learning that, okay, the pitch is thrown, but you don't need to actually say the pitch is thrown this exact second. You can wait a second mm -hmm. and make sure you've got all the information in front of you before you're kind of trying to relay what's happening, especially when you can't see a lot of what's happening. Like if there's a guy trying to steal second base, I have no idea unless I see the catcher <laughs> pop up and try and throw down. If there's a guy, you know, trying to go first to third, I have no clue until they show the guy on third base or someone throws to third base. And that was, that was one of the tricky things too. You know, if there's a guy on second and a ball is hit to the outfield, it got to a point where, you know, game five or six, I was kind of guessing on whether or not Poli was waving the guy around third yeah. and a couple times I was right. And it worked out and a couple times I was wrong. And I kind of had to back there and be like, Oh, he went back to third. <laughs> so, oh, he, oh, he slipped it. Yeah, oh, I guess, I guess he put on the brakes on him. Yeah. And, you know, you just kind of there, there's a little bit of a broadcast recreation feel in there. That was that was kind of neat. Uh, I'll say one thing that I found that was actually super positive about this experience. And it was that I kind of realized after the second or third game that I was watching the game the exact same way 
a lot of the fans were watching the game, if they were watching on MILB TV, if they were just listening, then it was kind of a normal, you know, broadcaster listener relationship. But if they were watching on MILB TV, like I know many do, we were seeing the exact same things at the exact same times. And normally when you and I are sitting in the booth, we have a much different perspective on what's going on in the field than anybody else who is listening or anyone at the ballpark that's watching. We see things differently. We have a bird's eye view. But in this case, we were quite literally watching the game together. And I think as broadcasters, we always strive to make it feel like we're watching the game with our listeners. And in this situation, it was quite literally that. And it made me a little bit more in tune with, I guess, the people that were listening. And I think it made it a much more enjoyable partnership of the broadcast between me and whoever might be tuning in. That was something that I took away and something that I'm going to take with me, you know, as you know, I go back to calling games live now. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, that's uh, that kind of brings the whole broadcast, you know, fan to broadcaster relationship full circle a little bit. So that that's a really good perspective, Jake. So you're not calling these games from you know a monitor or <laughs> no? A I'm so excited to be a principal. Park. It's your first AAA road trip uh, here in Des Moines. Six games. What are you most excited for? I mean, I, I'm most excited just to see games in person again. But I've heard awesome things about Des Moines and we come here three times this year there's 36 games between Omaha and Iowa which seems insane but it's also a two-hour trip back and forth I think it'll create a great rivalry I think we're gonna have a lot of fun with it I'm just excited to see Principal Park in action and and check out downtown Des Moines you know somewhere that is pretty close to Omaha that I've heard awesome things about but have never been to before growing up on the east coast I mean this is not necessarily to poke any fun at Des Moines, but when I was growing up and learning like state capitals and stuff, my one of my favorites was Des Moines because I couldn't figure out why it was pronounced the way it was pronounced. I didn't understand. Oh, no, that's, yeah, not Des yeah, Moines. I didn't, yeah, I didn't get, I didn't were, understand why that would be a thing when I was a young kid. And so when I, you know, I was learning state capitals, oh, Des Moines. And it was like, always just like a funny thing for me as like a six-year-old or a seven-year-old. And to now actually be here somewhere that was so foreign to me growing up in New York. Uh, it, it's kind of a cool thing. Yeah. No, as, as somebody who grew up in Philadelphia and <clears throat> looking on a map and, and saying, Oh, where, where's Iowa? Well, you know, you've Oh, there's Iowa. Nope. That's, that's Idaho. Oh, there's Iowa. <laughs> no, that's Indiana. Oh, there's Idaho. Nope. That that's Illinois. So, so that's the, the, the fourth choice in the matter, but now I, I've lived here for three and a half years. I love it. And it's, you know, you're perfectly geographically located. My girlfriend's from California. I'm from Philadelphia. Right. There you go. We're splitting the difference. There you go. Yeah. My, my girlfriend made a little bit of a longer trip. She came from Boston and moved to Omaha, Uh, but we've, but we've enjoyed it so far. Go out to the Midwest. Makes complete sense. Uh, A great light, funny start to our uh, unwritten rules episode today. Remember to listen to all past episodes and see the schedule of new episodes Make sure you subscribe to Unwritten Rules on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, as well as Amazon Music, or just check us out online at iowacubs.com. Here with Jake Eisenberg, the voice of the Omaha Storm Chasers. Uh, Jake, let's talk about the Omaha Storm Chasers because Omaha Storm Chasers and the Iowa Cubs are not only rivals, uh, one hour, 45 minutes away from each other, but they're the most longest tenured organizations in AAA when it comes to their parent club, Omaha with the Kansas City Royals, Iowa with the Chicago Cubs, there's a certain rivalry there. What have you heard about that rivalry? And, and are you excited to you know, play 30 games, 36 games 
against a team that's an hour and 45 minutes away uh, where there are some Royals fans here in Iowa and there are some Cubs fans in Omaha. It should be fun. Yeah, and that's the thing that I've kind of come to realize is I don't know if it's necessarily a rivalry in an animosity sense. I think it's more of a rivalry through familiarity where you've got Royals fans and Cubs fans in Omaha. You've got Cubs fans and Royals fans in Des Moines. And because these teams have been affiliated with those parent clubs for such a long time, there is that familiarity with each organization and also the players that have come through there and reached it to the big league level. And I think it's more of a, of a friendly rivalry, dare I say, than one that's, you know, Red Sox Yankees or something like that. I think yeah, well, people kind of in, after game 36. Yeah. Well, okay. I don't know if I can speak for what's going on on the field, yeah. uh, especially after 36 games, but I'm, I'm, I'm just talking, you know, the fans in the stands that are enjoying these games. I think it's, it's, like, yeah, maybe there's a little bit of a bragging rights thing because the cities are so close to one another. And there is, you know, kind of that Iowa and Nebraska rivalry that I've come to learn about a little bit. Um, but I think overall, I think people are excited that, you know, the I-Cubs are going to be at Warner Park 18 times this season. And I'm sure people are excited in Des Moines that, that the Storm Chasers are going to be at Principal Park 18 times this season. And you said, it. I mean, these teams have played against one another literally since the very beginning of both franchises histories and, and we could see we could see some storm chasers history this week the next omaha win over iowa will be the omaha franchise's 500th all-time win over the iowa franchise that's a lot of wins hopefully. that's a lot of wins there's a lot of games yeah it's a lot of games it's something like i don't know off the top of my head omaha is like 499 and 416 all time against Iowa or something like that. So it's a, it's a lot of games. It's a lot of history. And I think that just makes it really exciting. Yeah. It's a lot of games. I was hoping that our loss number would be a little bit higher than your win number. I had not seen that. That's <laughs> just yet, but no, it, 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 it's crazy. What, what I've come to learn over my three and a half years in the league is I really enjoy, enjoy the trip to Omaha uh, just because, well, first of all, your stadium's not in Omaha. It's in Papillion. It's, it's a completely different town, and it's you know, a more of a unique feel. You know, when I thought that we were going to Omaha, I was thinking more TD Ameritrade Park, right downtown. But no, like you're kind of in the middle of cornfields, and it feels like a minor league baseball atmosphere. But when you go to Omaha and you go to or Papillion and you go to Werner Park, there's a lot of Cubs fans there. They're wearing blue. But the Omaha Storm Chasers, their colors are blue. So you can't really tell if they're Cub fans or, you know, Royals fans or, for that matter, Omaha Storm Chasers fans until a good play happens. So it's just like a sea of blue at Warner Park, and you can't really tell who's rooting for who until a good play happens. So I've always enjoyed that. Uh, Another part of this is we're in a completely different league. You know, the PCL is no more, and I know in 2020 – you were supposed to broadcast games in the Pacific Coast League. Now you're broadcasting games in what the AAA East Midwest Division, which I thought <laughs> was a typo when we first got this started. But yeah, the AAA East Midwest Division, where you have St. Ball, which is an entirely new team to affiliated baseball, and then you have Columbus, Toledo, Louisville, and Indianapolis that were all part of the International League. Now Omaha and Iowa are kind of joined together. I mean, we're the two remaining PCL teams, so we have that small brotherhood in the AAA East Midwest division to be able to paint that picture to the fans. What has that been like for you? I mean, you were probably prepping for 
five months calling games at the PCL and talking about all those teams and then whoop, we change leagues, change geographic locations. We're playing four international league teams. It turns into the AAA East Midwest division. Just completely, it changes the dynamic of AAA baseball. What has that been like for you in 2020, not being able to call games and 2021 calling games in a completely different environment? Well, it took all the practice that I had spelling Albuquerque and just threw it out the window. I don't need it anymore. So I was preparing to go to Tacoma and Albuquerque and Las Vegas. And, you know, that's just not a thing. Now we're moving east instead of west. Omaha is now the westernmost team in AAA East and in AAA East Midwest Division. And, I mean, I just got to say, can we get rid of Cardinal Directions in, in these league names or just stick to one Cardinal Direction? There are too many directions to keep track of. It's, We've it's, got – It was a little oxymoronish, you know. It's just, it's, it's, it's just a little bit of a headache. Um, here's the thing, though, at least for me, since I don't know any different, it's interesting to kind of come to Omaha – and learn about the history in the PCL and in the American Association before that, to me, that's all it is. It's history because I never got the chance to experience it. So in experiencing AAA East and the Midwest Division for the first time, it's all I know when it comes to Omaha Storm Chasers baseball. And one thing about it that I personally think is awesome in terms of a change is that now the Storm Chasers are playing – a ton of AL Central affiliates that they never played before. They haven't, the Omaha Storm Chasers haven't played the, the Minnesota Twins AAA affiliate since the 1990s because they've been in Rochester for so long and they haven't played since, you know, the American Association days. So now you've got the St. Paul Saints, uh, the Twins AAA affiliate. Omaha's going to see St. Paul 30 times this year, already six in the books there. You're going to see the Detroit Tigers AAA affiliate in Toledo, the Cleveland Indians AAA affiliate in Columbus. And then you've got, you know, some NL Central affiliates with the I-Cubs and the Indianapolis Indians and the Louisville Bats. And because it's all kind of central, I think that is a little bit more exciting for the fans who are, you know, more closely following the baseball aspect of it and the players that are coming up through those systems, especially the AL Central, AL Central affiliate games. That's something that just hasn't really been there for Omaha fans for a very long time. I mean, sure, you can go to Las Vegas and you can play the AAA affiliate of the Oakland A's, but when are fans in Omaha watching a Royals game really going to watch the Royals play the Oakland A's? Maybe once or twice every couple of years? Mm -hmm. um, so I think playing those AL Central affiliates and having them all grouped together is really interesting. I'm excited for, you know, hopefully next year and years beyond when we start to incorporate all the teams in AAA East in the schedule instead of just the Midwest division. Yeah. And I know there are some teams in the Southeast and the Midwest that are doing some crossover games because there's seven teams in each league, but Omaha is not one of them. Omaha only plays and Midwest I, division teams I, this I, year. I, yeah. I was the same way. Yeah. And this, this is actually, this is the first year that Omaha and Nashville won't play each other since I want to say like 1985 or something like that. Um, because they were they were in the American Association together and then the PCL together. Um, same goes for Memphis when the Redbirds started in 98. So there are some teams that came over from the PCL that don't really exist in Omaha's mind this year in a very strange way. But it's great to have a, a, a partner, a brother in the Iowa Cubs coming over from the PCL American Northern Division yeah. and kind of forging a path into the Midwest Division, carrying the banner of the PCL with him. Yeah, brothers don't shake hands. Brothers hug. Yeah. You know, 
Yeah, and, and sometimes fight. But, yeah, no, it's there's definitely a, a, a link between the Iowa Cubs and the Omaha Storm Cages, not just because they're an hour and 45 minutes away, and they've played each other over the last 40 years, and, and they've been rivals in the PCL, but it's also just bringing that into the whole new AAA affiliation, minor league baseball realignment, and the fact that we are still together in that. Um, it's a nice insurance policy. And so. it, made, it made all of it, I think, more palatable that there was – some sort of foundational thing that was still the same amidst all of the change that was occurring. Absolutely. All right. So it's your first year with the Omaha storm chasers. It was supposed to be 2020 now 2021. You've been there for about two months. Give me a synopsis of the Omaha storm chasers organization to you so far, whether it is up at the top with general manager, Marty Cordero, whether it's with the team, the, the community, um, give us a brief synopsis of what the Omaha Storm Chasers organization is in, in a nutshell. It's fun. It's a really fun atmosphere in the office, you know, both on game days and leading up to the season from when I got in there. I, I mean, I, I moved to Omaha February 1st. My first day in the office was February 16th. And oh, beautiful, beautiful time of year in Omaha. Yeah, yeah. well, okay, so I'm, I'm glad you said that because quite literally the first two weeks that I lived in Omaha, the temperature did not go above zero. And I thought somebody was pulling my leg. I was like, you guys told me it was going to be cold, but nobody said it was going to be 20 below with a wind chill. Do you ever experience a positive number? Like I'm from New York. I under, I'm used to a cold winter, but I was not ready for negative 20 degrees in wind chill. And that's what it was like for like two weeks. Uh, but it was, it was nice and warm inside the office and it was fun. And, and you know, Marty Cordero is, is great. Lori Schlender has been doing an incredible job basically guiding this ship from the lost season of 2020 into the excitement of 2021 amidst all this new stuff and communicating with major league baseball about the different things we can and can't do based on what we want to do and what we're not allowed to do and keeping in tabs with those fluid situations and everybody from the ticket office and from the sales department to promotions and everywhere else has really just rolled with all the punches that have been thrown at us uh, from every which way, whether it's, you know, stuff that's not in our control or stuff that we have to figure out on our own. And I think that's true probably a lot of minor league organizations, that you've got a lot of people pulling from the same end of the rope that are coming up with creative solutions to problems that have never been faced before. And so if I were to describe the Omaha Storm Chasers organization, I would say fun and, and intrepid. I think this has been you know an experience for everybody to learn how to do things a little bit differently, but still try and achieve a similar product or one that people expect intrepid i'm going to have to look up that word in the dictionary one and i hope i used it right and then two have to use it on a broadcast so that is my goal for for today and this week's broadcast all right we're in the seventh inning stretch of unwritten rules and iowa cubs podcast remember to listen to all past episodes of unwritten rules and to see the schedule of new episodes make sure you subscribe to unwritten rules on spotify apple and google Podcasts, as well as amazon music or just check out the iCubs online at iowacubs.com. All right, Jake, I want to learn a little bit more about you. I think our fans want to learn a little bit more about you. Obviously, well-spoken, obviously enthusiastic, obviously loves the game of baseball. How'd you get into it? You know, what made you want to become a baseball broadcaster? You know, I don't have that, I guess, what you would say, classic baseball broadcaster origin story of sitting in my basement and muting the TV. 
or doing play-by-play of myself in the backyard or Little League games. Uh, Growing up, I, you know, I was in high school and my high school had a radio station and I did a radio show during lunch with my best friend. It was just 30 minutes and we didn't know what we were doing or anything, but we had a great time with it. And that was my first experience being on the air. But in high school, I was more focused on sports writing and I just loved sports, specifically baseball. I, I played baseball in high school, not very well at all, but I enjoyed writing about sports and, you know, also reading sports writers and going to college. I wanted to be like Tom Berducci or Tim Kirchin and write about baseball, but also, you know, talk about it on TV, whether it was on ESPN or Fox or MLB Network. And that's that's what I wanted to do. And my first year of college, I applied to the student newspaper and I didn't get a position there. But within two weeks of being on campus, I had opportunities doing play by play, calling women's basketball and field hockey and things like that. Um, And it was amazing to have those opportunities right out of the gate. And I really enjoyed them. Again, had absolutely zero clue what I was doing in terms of actually calling the game or prepping for the game or whatnot. And a year later, I applied for the newspaper again. I got a position. Uh, my beat was to cover the athletic department from like an administrative perspective. So I wasn't covering a sport. I was covering the athletic department. And that winter, I kind of realized that I was loving doing play-by-play and calling games and having so much more fun doing that than I was writing and coming up with story ideas. And my beat kind of transitioned into more of a general assignment of beat. And truth be told, I wasn't really putting in the time or the work to that beat that the newspaper deserved and we got to around february and they called me into the newsroom and said hey we're gonna have to let you go i got fired from the student newspaper in maryland and it was a blessing in disguise and it was somewhat it was i don't want to say that it was mutual because i didn't see it coming but it wasn't crushing because i knew how much i loved play by play and it was right at the beginning of the 2015 baseball season and john Vetus, matt president and i had just started maryland baseball network doing play-by-play on the radio for every single Maryland baseball game. And I was throwing everything into that and having an absolute blast with that. And so I kind of realized that that was the direction I wanted to go in right then and there. And if I had to pick a moment that I kind of knew like, yeah, this is it. It would be the end of that 2015 season. It was the big 10 tournament at target field up in Minneapolis. Did you travel to the tournament? I traveled to target field because I was a sophomore at the time. John was a senior. He was, he couldn't go because he was graduating that weekend. Yeah. That's, and that's a pretty big commitment. Yeah. Pretty, pretty important. Um, and I forget why, but, but Matt couldn't go either. And so it fell to me to go. So I went and, you know, I've called maybe five baseball games in my life. And here I am sitting in a big league booth at target field, calling a big 10 tournament game as a sophomore in college. And I mean, part of me was like, oh, it must be like this all the time. Like, this is great. great. And, yeah. and, and, and after that, I realized like, no, this does not happen all the time. But that feeling that you had, it's possible to achieve that and to get back to that point at some point down the road. And from there, I started going after it and, you know, honing the craft, reaching out to people, listening back to my own tape, having other people listen to tape of mine and give me advice and, and just kind of putting in the work and putting in the time and just having fun while doing it. Uh, so that's a very long-winded answer of saying that I kind of luckily fell into it with a little bit of push from getting fired by the student newspaper. Yeah, that is a long-winded story and, and one that, yeah, you don't normally get fired from the student newspaper, but it was a blessing in disguise. I mean, I've gotten fired from you know a couple jobs, none in broadcasting, but 
uh yeah that that definitely pushed me in the direction is i'm not really good at anything else so i think I'm just, <laughs> i have very few redeeming qualities actually not many at all but this is one of them so i'm going to continue on this path you, you talked about your time at maryland um and you started the what the maryland baseball network correct i want to make sure that i got that yeah yeah and now there is a network of broadcasters from the university of maryland i think it's you and a handful of other guys that are not only just in minor league baseball that are in triple a i mean that's kind of like what the ucla the duke the kentucky of it's really broadcast. cool man yeah it's, so. it's really cool and it's something that i'm really really proud of because a bunch of us outside of a couple can trace our roots truly back to maryland baseball network so John Vitas, who, who really kickstarted the whole thing, he's the voice of the Fort Myers Mighty Muscles. Um, so that's the Twins low A affiliate, but he does a ton of stuff for the Twins in spring training uh, when they're down there in Florida. Um, so he's, you know, doing some awesome stuff there. Uh, Matt Present is the number two broadcast for the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. Um, Justin Galanti is the number two broadcast for the Memphis Redbirds. I'm here in Omaha. There are two other Terps in this league. Scott Kornberg's the lead guy in Jacksonville. He graduated uh, the year before I arrived at Maryland. And Josh Maurer, who's the voice of the Worcester Red Sox, uh, is also a Terp. Uh, he graduated a, a few years before Scott also. So we've got a slew of Terps in minor league baseball. I think maybe more than there have ever been. And the fact that so many of us kind of, you know, got our roots with Maryland Baseball Network, I think is a testament to what we created and what we were able to do being effectively the voices of Maryland baseball for the years that we were there and getting all the reps that we did. It's, it's awesome. And it is, it's, it's a point of pride for me. Certainly. You guys have like a Maryland Terps group thread, especially during like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and we've also, we've got, we've got text flying around, you know, with updates on the Terps that are, you know, in the pros, whether it's, you know, Brandon Lau with Tampa Bay. And it's funny, that's how I came across you for the first time because you were calling games for the hot rods and right. B Lau was playing for Bowling Green. And so I was following you and getting updates on B Lau and what he was doing while I was, you know, doing some stuff at Maryland. And so we're following B Lau and we're following Mike Schwarn, who's now here with the Omaha Storm Chasers, which that's is cool. Yeah. so cool. Uh, so, so cool because watching him at Maryland and such a great guy also. Um, and seeing him get his shot in the big leagues with the Boston Red Sox, but then finding out that he was going to start here this season, um, we were both pretty excited about that. So it's been great having him here uh, and getting to talk with him virtually, of course. Um, and then, you know, we follow, you know, the guys that are making their way up through the minor leagues. Kevin Smith is playing for the, you know, Buffalo Trenton Thunder Bison, whatever their name is nowadays. <laughs> is, there a hyphen, is there a hyphen involved in that name, or are we just going straight Thunder Bison? I don't know. I've been calling them the Thunder Bison because I think it's an awesome minor league name I anyway. Think, I think that is a perfect minor league baseball name. Yeah. The two-part name, no space in between. The Buffalo Trenton Thunder Bison, I like Yeah, that. so we've got text flying around, you know, updating each other on all those guys and what they're doing, and it's, it's been fun um, to have that kind of, you know, terp community within minor league baseball. So that's pretty cool, one. And then, two, you graduate from Maryland. Uh, what was your minor league baseball trajectory to this point? Where did you start? Where else have you gone? How did you get to this point? And after you tell me that, have you had, like, a welcome to minor league baseball moment yet? I mean, I know you said you were calling you know, baseball a target field on your fourth game ever. That's not how minor league baseball no. Oh, it's no. Not, no, not, not at all. Uh, and, and we're unwritten rules. We want to hear like behind the diamond, but stuff that doesn't go on in the nine innings. Give me a, a, a welcome to minor league baseball moment. It's just like, geez, like, I can't believe this is actually happening. It better not happen again. Sure. So 
my first job in minor league baseball was with the Brooklyn Cyclones, uh, now the low, now the high affiliate of the Mets. At that time, the New York Penn League affiliate with the New York Mets, and that was great. I lived at home, drove 45 minutes through traffic on the Belt Parkway every day, uh, and got to call games at Coney Island, which was awesome. Um, from Brooklyn, I went to Winston-Salem. That 2018 Winston-Salem Dash team, I think, might go down as one of the most talented Carolina League teams in recent memory. There have already been 10 big leaguers that played for that 2018 Winston-Salem Dash team. Uh, Nick Madrigal, who was on that team, hit his first career home run just the other day. Um, and then I was with the Richmond Flying Squirrels in 2019, the Giants' AA affiliate. And now I'm here with the Omaha Storm Chasers. But in terms of a, of a welcome to minor league baseball moment, the first one that comes to mind is when I was in Brooklyn and they play the Staten Island Yankees, it was, it was battle of the bridge because you go right over the bridge from, from Brooklyn to Staten Island. And it's about, you know, a 45 minute drive, certainly a lot longer depending on the time of day and traffic. And I was at the ballpark at MCU park, getting ready to get on the bus and go over to Staten Island. We get to Staten Island, we get off the bus. And I realized that I have left all of our broadcast equipment at MCU park in Brooklyn. And this is my first year in minor league baseball. I was the number two. It was my job to bring the equipment. I'm freaking out. Like, what are we going to do? And so it's about, I don't know, I want to say four o'clock in the afternoon and the game's at seven. And I say, okay, like I'm going to do what I have to do to get this stuff here so we can be on the air and have our broadcast. And so I took an Uber from Staten Island back to Brooklyn, back to the ballpark, picked up the equipment and then took another Uber back from Brooklyn to Staten Island. And I want to make it very clear that I do not recommend doing this ever at five o'clock between Brooklyn and Staten Island, because it will take an interminable amount of time. And not to mention the fact that it was among the most expensive Uber of my life. And, but I got the equipment, we got back, I set it up and, you know, we were, I, I think I got there with like 20 minutes to spare and we were set up and ready to go. And if you were listening, you would have been none the wiser, uh, which is the goal, but let me tell you, sitting in the back of that Uber for, you know, 45 minutes to an hour on the way back to Brooklyn, trying to figure out if this was all going to work and how it was going to work. You're sweating. I was, I mean, oh, my God. Your blood pressure, your anxiety level. Oh, yeah. And I'm thinking, like, geez, like, I, I've done some prep for this game, but, like, now I'm not going to get to do nearly as much as I thought I was going to do. How am I going to do a pregame interview? How am I going to get stuff for social done? How am I going to do all these things that we need to do in this amount of time and – you know, I think it was a lesson in a make sure you have the equipment because that's really important. Yeah. And B for, for broadcast for sure. You can only focus on one thing at a time, truly. And we get really, really good at multitasking in minor league baseball, but there are some times where you get close to game time, you got to hone in and you got to just focus on one thing at a time and methodically go through the things you have to do and just knock them out one at a time. Um, but yeah, that was definitely a welcome minor league baseball moment, not necessarily in like the traditional, I got stuck under the tarp sense, but it was definitely like I had to find a creative solution to a, a problem that I created myself. <laughs> and sometimes that's minor league baseball too. Um, I'll give you one more in Richmond in 2019. I think it was our second game of the season or something like that. And we had a double header and the internet connection at the ballpark just went out kaput like not working we couldn't get connected to the radio station it just wasn't working and so what I did while Trey was running around trying to get everything fixed and take care of everything is I tried to get us on the air 
And so I called the radio station from my phone, basically the phone line they use for like their talk shows when people call in. And I figured out a way with some equipment that I had in my bag to connect my broadcast headset to my phone. Uh, so I didn't have to call it like into the actual you know, microphone speaker. I still put on the headset and I figured out how to plug it into the phone. And I was just calling the game into the phone line for the radio station. And I'll, I'll be honest, I was, I was a little bit proud of that, of that MacGyver moment. Um, and I think over the course of the last few years, one thing I've learned is basically just how to come up with creative solutions to insane problems that nobody should yeah. ever have. How, how to make a lot of lemonade out of lemons. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's still going to taste pretty sour, but you're going to have something to drink. If you drink it, you're going to be able to hydrate. Yeah. yeah my, my, my story, you, you, you brought up the, the MacGyver moment. I did not have that MacGyver moment. It was my first road game in 2015 in the Pioneer League. Uh, I was with the Idaho Falls Chuckers, and we were playing the Ogden Raptors. And so we drive down there. I'm trying to connect, can't connect. And I go to their general manager. I'm like, you know, we're not able to connect. He's like, Oh, that's what I forgot to do. He forgot to initiate like, oh, no. the internet. And he's, you know, he, he tries to work it out. But at that point, it's like 4.30 p.m. And he's like, we're not going to be able to do it until tomorrow. So I called my entire first road game of that season off of a cell phone. And oh, naturally, geez. the game had like three pitching changes in the first like five innings. It was a 13 to 7 game. It took four hours and doing it all off of a cell phone, making sure that it's charged. But, yeah, it, it worked. Um, and then, you know, a good play happens. I call – I make the call. I put the phone out the window so the crowd <laughs> That's back. awesome. No, but yeah. that's that's the exact kind of thing that I'm talking about. That's a creative solution to a ridiculous problem. Like, there are so many people who, yeah, probably would have just sat back and said, you know what, I can't call the game tonight. Yeah. Then there are people that would say, you know what, I'm calling the game into the phone. And then there are people that say, I'm going to call the game into the phone, and when I can – I'm going to give you the crowd noise too, because I'm doing the best I can with the situation I find myself in. And I think so much of minor league baseball comes down to putting in just that little bit of extra effort to make that product as good as it can possibly be. That's awesome. Yeah. I was like doing like the icky shuffle. I was like calling the game. <laughs> I was like making the call and putting it out the window. It was like basically giving the fans the Heisman, but it was just my cell phone uh, out, outside the broadcast window. Uh, Jake, just a couple final questions before we let you duck out of here and get back to, to game prep. Uh, you, you talked about your jobs at minor league baseball. Um, is this your first year as the number one lead broadcaster and traveling and calling all 120 games under 140 games, whatever it is? So this is my first year as the lead broadcaster. Yes, this is not my first year traveling to all the games. Uh, I was very lucky in Brooklyn, Winston-Salem and Richmond that the people that I worked with slash four allowed me to travel when it was possible. So I traveled to a bunch of road games when I was with the Cyclones, including a couple solo trips, um, which was a great experience. And in Winston-Salem too, working with Joe Weil, you know, whenever there was a chance for me to come on the road with him, there was a seat on the bus for me and we, you know, shared a hotel room and it was great. We had a great time. And there were a couple of solo road trips I did in Winston-Salem. And then with Trey in 2019 with the Richmond Flying Squirrels, any chance that there was for me to go on the road where it was reasonable, I went. The only trip that I really didn't make in 2019, there were a couple of trips to Harrisburg that I didn't make for a couple of reasons, and I didn't make the trip up to the Northeast when they did the Northeast swing to Portland and New Hampshire, basically because that's just a long, long yeah, time long to share. Trip. It's a yeah. long time to share a seat on the bus. And so, you know, but I still got the chance to travel around the Eastern League. I'm pretty sure I made it 
I made it to all 10 Carolina League stadiums in 2018. I made it to most of the Eastern League ballparks in 2019. Handful of games in 2017 with the Brooklyn Cyclones. Um, so I've had the opportunity to travel. And I mean, that's such a fun part of this job. It's such a rewarding experience to go on the road and see these places. And I think that's also where you get to know the players and the coaches at, at a much better level. That's where, you know, you can grab a bite to eat or you hang out at the hotel or, you, you know, you're walking around the mall on a getaway day trying to kill some time before you get to the ballpark. That's obviously you stop at a gas station at four in the morning. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, geez, can you believe we're here in the middle of Maryland at four in the morning? My goodness. Uh, Obviously that's all a little bit different this year, but that's one of the best parts about this job, I think is getting to travel and seeing all these new places. And I'm really glad that I'm able to be in Des Moines now and get to do this again after, you know, not doing it for so long and not doing it last week either. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that one. And then two, you were talking about this off air. You know, there's some broadcasters when they go on the road that they have to do something in each city. I mean, I consider myself an amateur diners, drive-ins, and dives. <laughs> I, I like to go to all these stadiums, yeah. and all these ballparks, and all these cities, and find like the diviest food place. Take a picture of my food, send it out on social media, just show that I've been there, gain some extra right weight put my, my meal money to, to the right place and enjoy it. What's one thing that once you get into the routine of traveling into these cities, are you going to do at every city? Do you have like a, do you, are, are you a, a miniature food critic or, I, I mean, you said it all, all fair. So I, I want you to tell fans. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. What, what you like. So I would love to go to whatever the local place is in whatever city and get the local delicacy or the best food that that place has to offer. Unfortunately for me, having celiac disease and needing a gluten-free diet kind of limits my ability to do that because there are a lot of things in a lot of places that I just can't eat. You know, for instance, in Omaha, one of the things that people keep telling me to eat is a runza. I still don't exactly know what it is. I just know I can't eat it. Yeah, uh, it's like some sort of beef and cabbage burrito thing. I, somebody, will, somebody will tweet at me and tell me exactly what it is or something like that. Um, Point being, though, I can't eat a lot of that food sometimes. But one thing that I can always have is coffee. And I love coffee. And when I'm on the road and I'm trying to get a feel for the town that I'm in, or I just want to explore a little bit, I always try and find a local coffee shop, not, you know, a Starbucks or a Dunkin Donuts. And I've done those because sometimes that's all that's around. But I try and find a local coffee shop that's got a place for me to sit and work on game notes or do game prep and kind of just enjoy the morning drinking a cup of coffee and getting to experience kind of the vibe in in whatever place that is so i'm looking forward to exploring des moines and finding a coffee shop or two around here Um, i would consider myself especially pre-pandemic a a coffee shop denizen and i'm hoping to try and get back to that now that things are are loosening up and and we're trying to get back to a little bit of a new normal so I'm, i'm really looking forward to that cup of coffee today Coffee shop denizen that belongs on the Twitter bio. <laughs> it was for a little bit. Coffee shop denizen, coffee aficionado. Those are you know very good two great descriptors. You can tell that you're a radio guy when it comes to your coffee acumen. <laughs> Here with Jake Eisenberg on Unwritten Rules. Uh, my my final question for you is: You were talking about you know, being on the road with the team as a way to get to know the players and the coaches. Obviously, this year, this is your first road trip. We're not able to do that up to our full extent right now just because, you know, tier one, tier two, 
you know, being able to be in the clubhouse and, you know, having that type of accessibility with COVID is really tough because naturally they, they don't want that many outside people in the clubhouse or on the field just because you don't want a, a COVID outbreak. What are some of the creative ways that you've been able to get to know this Omaha Storm Chasers team, whether it is players or, or, or Pauly, as you said, how have you been able to get to know your new team? Well, I'll say this. It's been really challenging and it's certainly something that I would like to do more of because in order to do this job well you need to know who these players are as humans as much as you know who they are as players sure you could know a guy's you know average and career home runs and whatever stats you want you can know that cold but until you know the player as a person you can't truly relay his story to your audience or introduce him to your audience and so that's something that's been a little bit of a struggle these first couple of weeks and we were fortunate to start a podcast with the Omaha Storm Chasers last May called the Stormcast and we've had a few players as guests on that that we've connected with because we've had contact information for them we've gotten to know them you know for instance we had Jake Kalish as a guest in January we had Nick Dini as a guest just before the season started those are both guys that are currently on the Storm Chasers roster and since we have contact information for those guys, it kind of helps bridge the gap between them and players that we don't necessarily have contact information for. So we've been able to set up some post-game Zooms where we've done, you know, your classic media interviews, but then, you know, we'll stay on for a minute or two after and just be like, hey, by the way, I'm Jake. I'm, I'm the radio broadcaster. Nice to meet you. You know, I'm looking forward to meeting you in person at some point when we're allowed to do so. But for now, you know, this is what we've got. And, you know, it's really nice to meet you. And just putting a, a face with the name that you might see on, on both sides of that screen. Um, and, you know, as far as pregame interviews go, that's that's been one way that I've really tried to get to know these players and coaches best I can is basically just kind of reaching out to them and saying, hey, you have time for a pregame interview today. We'll do it over the phone, you know, getting contact information when it's available and just talking to them on the phone a little bit before that interview, during that interview, a little bit after that interview, and just trying to have normal conversations and ask good questions and just get to know them as best you can when you can't do it in person in the ways that we have traditionally been accustomed to doing so. It's been really hard and I'm hopeful that we're getting to a point where we'll be able to forge the relationships in a more normal way uh, as opposed to this virtual way that unfortunately we've all become pretty used to. Jake Eisenberg, thank you for joining us on Unwritten Rules. Uh, it, it's funny that we have never met in person. <laughs> I know. That's we, a, it's we, exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, and we are going to meet in person uh, in, in the next couple hours. But, yeah, we really appreciate you joining us and talking about the Omaha Storm Chasers being in the AAA East Midwest Division and, uh, you know, coming to, to Principal Park as part of your first real road trip in AAA baseball. We're honored. Hopefully the weather will comply and hopefully you'll, you'll enjoy your time here in Des Moines. We appreciate you joining us. I appreciate it, Alex. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to meeting you in person, seeing Principal Park, seeing a ball game in person, and, and getting some ice cream in a helmet cup because yeah, you, that's great. That, that's better. your thing, too. Yeah, I, I better. We, we have good ice cream, although I, I don't think there's such a thing called bad ice cream. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, Jake, uh, I, I appreciate you joining us. You, you'll probably be disappointed by that first part of it and meeting me in person. Definitely better on than I am in person. But uh, nonetheless, thanks for coming on. Unwritten Rules, an Iowa Cubs podcast. That was your episode for today. Again, for more episodes of Unwritten Rules and to listen to past episodes of Unwritten Rules, 
Check us out online at Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, as well as at iowacubs.com. All right, guys, thanks for listening to today's episode of Unwritten Rules. Jake Eisenberg, voice of the Omaha Storm Chasers, was our guest, and we will see you next week.